Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay, and it's a little bit of a different episode this week. It's just me in my office rather than uh, Eric and I being in the sanctuary. But um, between work and harvest and some other stuff going on, Eric was, un- was unable to join me this week. But I just wanted to hop on with a couple of quick thoughts about Sunday's sermon, uh, wrap some stuff up on the Simon Peter series, and then invite us into what's coming next week um, as we continue here in ministry at the Canton United Methodist Church. So let's get into it. On Sunday, we uh, wrapped up our Simon Peter series by taking a look at his ministry beyond the Gospels. Um, Thus far in the series, we've been really focused on Simon Peter and his time with Jesus, um, that relationship that we saw grow. But that wasn't the end of of, of Simon Peter's story. Um, Really, the ascension of Jesus is kind of the beginning of Simon Peter's story um, because he takes center stage after that. Jesus is ascended into heaven, and the disciples are left wondering, well, what do we do now? And it's really really when they start to look to Simon Peter um, for their leadership and for their guidance. He is the one that was the leader of the disciples the entire time. That was just as much true then um, as it was during the story of the Gospels. But kind of an inadvertently very Brookings-heavy service on Sunday. Um, A couple of different connections were made. Uh, In the children's sermon, I talked about how we can go anywhere from here. Um, You know, Peter went anywhere for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, you know, he was just a punk kid from Bethsaida um, and ended up being the rock upon whom the church was built. And uh, we can go anywhere from Canton. We can go anywhere from where we can go anywhere from wherever we're from. Um, kind of the thing I wanted us to keep in mind with the kids on Sunday. Um, then I open up the sermon with a story about a woman named Ruth Anderson, a very, very dear friend of mine and former parishioner from Brookings, who, when I announced that I was moving to Burke, Herrick, and Jameson, did pull me aside and say, hmm, I'm not too sure of this because you're from Gregory and that's Burke and that's a rivalry. Um, but, uh, I got to actually see her a couple of years later. Uh, we were, she was back home for a Memorial Day program that I was doing a prayer at. And we sat and talked for a good long while about how, you know, just how things were going. Um, and just the fact that she was happy to see that a kid from Gregory could serve the Burke Church. Um, but uh, And then one of our confirmation students, Carson, um, his grandparents are Tim and Heidi Stephenson, um, who are former parishioners of mine from the Brookings Church. And so it was great to have them in worship as well on Sunday. Um, so yeah, kind of a very Brookings-heavy episode for a USD fan, but, uh, you know, it was... It was all right. It was a good day. But I just uh, wanted to spend a couple minutes talking about some of the other big moments in the life of Simon Peter. On on Sunday, we focused on this healing story. We focused on Simon Peter and John uh, going to the temple for a prescribed time of prayer that would have been very important for them going forward. Um, You know, even though they're doing this brand new thing following Jesus, they still, for the lot for a long time, saw themselves as just a part of Judaism. That uh, that that Jesus was just doing something new and bringing reformation to the Jewish religion, um, and so they continued to observe um, things like time of prayer in the temple. They continued to observe the festivals. They continued to observe all of these parts of their faith, but just knowing that Jesus was a further expression of that faith. And so they go to the temple, they perform this healing, and then they're taken in front of the same authorities that put Jesus to death. And they defend their faith. They're they're ready for that moment. They are ready. And, and they let the people know that they made a huge mistake in killing Jesus. And 
I don't think anyone was converted by what Peter said, but what happened next is that this 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 group, this council, um, got together and they just decided they they had to decide what to do. Um, they were made nervous by the fact that that one of the disciples of Jesus could perform this miracle. They thought that when they'd killed Jesus, that the problem would go away. But truthfully, the problem had just started because the disciples were then emboldened by the Holy Spirit and then called to do these great and wonderful things in the name of Jesus Christ, which is what Simon Peter did in the temple that day. They, they realized that the Christian church, you know, the, the followers of Jesus weren't going anywhere, so they had to decide what to do. But in that instance, they could not find a solid reason to punish Simon Peter and John for what they had done and what they had said, and so they're free to go for now. But there are some other amazing things that Simon Peter did and accomplished in his life following the gospel and his life as the rock upon whom the church was built. Um, so there's obviously um, that story in Acts chapter 3, but a couple of big important things happened before that. Um, in Acts chapter 1, after the ascension, as the disciples are trying to figure out what to do now because of the different stage of life they found themselves in, not having Jesus, they looked to Simon Peter. And Simon Peter said, look, we lost Judas because of all the things that Judas did. Um, and so we need, we really probably should be 12 because that's what we had to start with. And so the disciples look to a replacement um, to be in that inner circle of 12. And they pick two people. Um, there is um, Matthias, who eventually ends up being picked. And then there is Barsabbas, um, also known as Justice. Um, and they, under the direction of Peter, they, they find these two people, they, they know that they're good candidates, they can't make a wrong choice, and so they pray, and they cast lots, and Matthias is chosen, and Barsabbas is not, and they continue forward in ministry. Until the day of Pentecost, which again, Simon Peter takes center stage. You know, the crowds hear this loud wind and they hear these people talking and they hear this commotion and they're just like, well, it's nine o'clock in the morning. It makes perfect sense that they're just drunk. And Simon Peter says, no, we're not drunk. And if we are drunk, we're drunk in the Holy Spirit. And then talks about what the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit has been promised through the, the, through the prophets of old and through the ministry of Jesus. It's Simon Peter that preaches the first sermon of the Christian church. And through his preaching and example, 3,000 people are added to the church on that one day. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in Simon Peter's life. So then we are forward, we move forward in the story of the book of Acts. And then in Acts chapter 9, um, Simon Peter is in the area of Joppa. And there's a person named Tabitha who has died. And they come to Simon Peter, you know, they are just, well, we don't know what to do now and, and help us. And Simon Peter actually ends up raising Tabitha to new life. And people came to know this, this encounter and they came to know this experience throughout the entire region of Joppa. Um, and um, Simon Peter stays there for a while. And then we're told of the story, the great story of Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius is a Gentile person who has this curiosity about Jesus. But keep in mind that thus far, especially in Simon Peter's world, salvation has been in salvation in Jesus' name has been reserved for the Jews, has been reserved for those that are have been a part of this story this entire time. 
And, you know, in the Gospels, there's a couple different times where Jesus tells the disciples not to go around non-Jewish people, you know, to keep this for, you know, for, for, for Jewish folks. This is really a breaking down of division. This is really what, kind of one of those moments where, where, where God's doing something new and it's happening through the work of Simon Peter. Simon Peter is granted this vision, and I know Eric and I have talked about this a couple of different times in a couple of different places, but Simon Peter is given this vision, and he sees the sheep being lowered from heaven, and on it are all of these things that by Jewish law have been deemed unclean. And a voice says to him, kill and eat. And because these are foods that have been deemed to be unclean, Simon says, no, I'm not going to do that. I know the law. I can't do that. And the voice says, do not call things that God has made profane. Kill and eat. And Simon finally does, Simon Peter finally does do these things. And then the sheet's taken up to heaven and he has this vision and he is, and he is like, you know, discovered by this group of people that say, hey, are you Simon that's called Peter? Like, is that you? And they're like, and Simon Peter's like, well, yes. And they take him to the house of a guy named Cornelius. And Cornelius is, like I said earlier, like, and Cornelius is just so curious about what faith is about and what the, how that works and, and how these things should be. But before all this happens, Cornelius has been praying. Um, earlier in the book of Acts in chapter 10, we're told that Cornelius is praying at three o'clock, which as Bible readers, and they just read this story from Acts chapter three, that should kind of like ping in our heads that, oh, hey, Cornelius is, is observing this time of prayer that's been set aside for the people of God. And he is, you know, he's told to send people to Joppa because there's this guy named Simon Peter that they just have to know and have to meet. Um, and that's what happens. Cornelius sends people. Simon has the vision. The people in, interact with Simon Peter. And then Simon Peter goes to the house of Cornelius in Caesarea. And it's there that Cornelius starts to ask questions, starts to wonder at who this Jesus is and why is this mattering and why is this happening? And Simon Peter comes to this great realization in chapter, chapter 10, verse 34, where he says, Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. I am starting to understand that God shows no partiality. Salvation is so much bigger than what Simon Peter first thought, and it's so much bigger than what we originally think, too. These Gentile believers, Gentile believers in God, didn't know Jesus until Simon Peter came. And Simon Peter was able to explain these things. Simon Peter baptizes their entire household. And that is really the story of the first non-Jewish converts to what would become known as Christianity. The story continues to unfold in the book of Acts. Um, this The account starts to shift um, away from Peter and towards the apostle Paul. Um, James, the brother of John, is put to death in actor, Acts chapter 12. And then in Acts chapter 15, there is this big council meeting because Paul and Barnabas have been doing a lot of the same ministry of, as Peter, uh, going to non-Jewish people. And this group of Jewish, you know, formerly Jewish people have to decide okay, what does this really mean? What does it really look like for non-Jews to come into a state of salvation in Jesus Christ? 
and it gets decided at the council through the testimony of Paul and Barnabas, through the testimony of Peter. It gets decided that those outside of the Jewish belief can come to, to faith in Jesus Christ, can come to experience salvation, which is good news for us because we're all Gentiles more often than not, right? It's good news. And then the question becomes, what are we supposed to like do because of our faith? Like, there are 613 laws of the Old Testament. Do we have to keep all of them? And the Acts Council, or the Acts 15 Council in Jerusalem, um, says that no, the only thing that we have to do is avoid food sacrifice to idols and sexual immorality. Like those are the two things that were a bridge too far for them um, to still be followers of God, um, but just found our identity in Jesus Christ. And truthfully, that's where the story of the book of Acts shifts. Um, they, they have this great council in Acts 15. In Acts 16, Paul meets Timothy, and then they're off on their adventures of ministry. Paul and Barnabas part ways and bless each other as they go. And then the rest of the whole book of Acts is about the ministry of the Apostle Paul. There are two letters in the Bible, 1st and 2nd Peter, that are ascribed to Peter, although the authorship of 2nd Peter is widely debated. Um, just being, um, We know from church history um, and from world history uh, that the Emperor Nero um, was a very big persecutor of Christians, and in AD 64, um, it is when Simon Peter was put to death. And the tradition around that is that Simon Peter was crucified upside down. And the reason why we know that or why we believe that to be true is because of two other extra biblical writings that are about his life. Um, in the first and the second century, there's a thing called the Acts of Peter um, that is a book that is very similar to the book of Acts, but from you know the perspective and ministry of the apostle Peter. Um, and then in the fourth century, there's a book called the Acts of Peter and Paul. So in the Acts of Peter, in the second century, we are told that Simon Peter is crucified upside down. But in the fourth century book of Acts of the Acts of Peter and Paul, we're told a little bit more of why. And so, so this is a reading from the Acts of Peter and Paul. Peter, having come to the cross, said, Since my Lord Jesus Christ, who came down from heaven upon earth and was raised upon the cross upright, and he has deigned to call to heaven me, who am of the earth. My cross ought to be fixed head down so as to direct my feet towards heaven, for I am not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. And then having reversed the cross, they nailed him feet up. So this is how the life and ministry of Simon, Simon Peter ends, upside down on a cross for his faith. This flawed and faithful disciple, I mean, there's just no other way of saying it. We, over the last five weeks, six weeks now, over the last six weeks, we have seen his flaws. We've seen his hot temper, his quick-natured, you know, ability to just fly off the handle. Um, and we've also seen him be so faithful to Jesus, so faithful in his restoration, so faithful in his ministry following the ascension of Jesus. We saw him grow into the rock upon whom the church is built. He is the first person to make the great confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he is the one that the disciples look to their entire ministries. And what I want us to hear, and I know I said this on Sunday, but I, what I want us to hear about this, the reason why this sermon series is so important is because Simon Peter's story is our story. <laughs> you know, we've I know Eric and I have talked about it the last couple of weeks, and I said it on Sunday, but... 
Simon Peter is nothing fancy. He's nothing special. He's nothing, you know, aside from a person that was in the right place at God's time and then let God work through his life. And that can be our story too. That can be our story too. We are who we are. We are who we have been made to be by God. We have been gifted in the same Holy Spirit that Simon Peter proclaimed on the day of Pentecost. And our joy and our responsibility is to live in those gifts to the glory of God. We're, I mean, we're awesome, don't get, us, don't get me wrong, but we're nothing special. We're just ordinary people, disciples of Jesus Christ, trying our best to be as faithful as possible. Simon Peter's story is our story. And thanks be to God. So that really wraps up um, the Simon Peter story. Um, that really wraps up this sermon series. I hope you've enjoyed um, hearing it and engaging with it as much as I have putting it together. Um, it has been a joy to write these sermons, to, to dive back into his story one more time and really find our own connections into it. Um, you know, And so I just hope that it has been beneficial uh, to your faith. Uh, next week, I am off on Sunday, and so Eric Stearns is going to be preaching um, based on Second, P uh, Second Timothy, um, and then we will be back here next week for the podcast and then for worship on the 23rd, but uh, just want you to continue to <clears throat> just know that you are always welcome to join us um, in person or on Facebook Live, uh, on YouTube, on the podcast. Like There's all kinds of ways to engage um, here in the life of the church. We have some um, fun events happening very soon. On the uh, 28th of October, we're going to be having our Trunk or Treat. Uh, that's kind of a little bit different than how we've done it in years past. It used to, used to be on Halloween night, um, but there is a small business group here in Canton that's all doing a family um, centered uh, trick or treat event on that 28th of uh, on that Friday night. Again, that's going to be from five to seven here in our parking lot. The next day on the 29th is our United Women in Faith's Fall Bazaar. So they have a bake sale going on and oh, there's going to be some crafty goods to come and buy and, and take a look at. But uh, but just know that that's happening and there's just a bunch of stuff happening here in the life of the church we would love for you to be involved with. But for now, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.